Amen. Well, let's go ahead and turn over to Mark 16, 15 and 16. You know, Proverbs eleven thirty. we've said it many times, he that wins souls is wise. Not because he was so wise he started winning souls. There's a little bit of truth to that. But when you win souls, God starts pouring out wisdom on you. You know, it says he pours out his spirit on his servants. Everybody say that. He pours out his spirit on his servants. So that's Acts 2.17. Now, uh, he doesn't need to pour out his, ser- his spirit on any lazy do-nothings because you don't need the baptism and the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit to sit around and do nothing. Can I get an amen? You don't need the Holy Spirit to do that. All you need is a demon and a little bit of selfishness to do that one. Somebody say amen. And a, and a spirit of disobedience, laziness, and probably a demon. And you can master that one in no time. But if you're going to be a soul winner, and God sees you're serious about it, and you start doing it, he's going to pour out his spirit on you. And he doesn't just pour out his spirit on you for no reason. And he's going to pour out the spirit of wisdom. Paul prayed that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would open the eyes of our understanding. How many know our Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom? Amen. Well, two are enthused tonight. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. And wisdom will get poured out on you when you initiate, when you endeavor, when you show to God. God's from Missouri. He says, show me your faith by your works. Amen. Show me, it says in James 2. Show me your faith by your works. And when you show him you're getting serious about soul winning, then he'll send resources, he'll send anointing, he'll send the pouring out of his spirit, he'll send wisdom to do it. See, it's like, well, when I get wise enough, I just don't think I'm wise enough to do that yet, Pastor Bill. I think when someday I get wise and I can quote some scriptures like you or, or I, I just get you know, a little more wisdom on who to go to and all that, then I, I'll, I'll be a soul winner. No, when you're a soul winner and you make the choice and you step out because this takes faith, then he'll start pouring out wisdom on you what to do. You got to get that. Amen. Turn to your neighbor and say to him, you got to get that. Either when a soul is wise. Amen. If you don't get that, you're, you're, you're going to just sit there and, and, and never get around to it. You know, it's kind of like the person, you know, when I understand God, I'll get saved. You know, I've got a real intellectual, super intellectual, I've got a lot of real intellectual relatives. I've got a lot of doctors in, in my, on my mom's side and, and, and PhDs and guys with doctor's degrees in my, in my extended relatives. And, uh, you know, some of them are atheists. One of them's down here at the University of Iowa. He's an MD, PhD. He's the only guy that, you know, he, he won the same award for cystic, some big cure in cystic fibrosis or some big breakthrough. The same award that only two people in the state of Iowa have ever won. Another one was for the Hubble telescope. And my, my cousin won that award for his work in cystic fibrosis. He's an MD, PhD. He's the top dog doctor at the University of Iowa. And he's an atheist. And therefore, that makes him a knucklehead. even though he's got a Ph.D. He's got permanent head damage or permanent heart damage. I don't know which one. He's so smart he can't think right. I'm just kidding. But let me tell you something. There's, there's a little bit of truth to that. It's sarcastic and silly. You know, I say that to, to wake you all up, you know. But many people, and I've heard my relatives say this, when, 
When I can understand God, I'll accept this faith thing. No, you have to understand him, then he'll make it so you can, I mean, you have to accept first by faith, and then you'll begin to understand him. Because God hides himself from the proud, and then when you stop being proud and you humble yourself, he reveals himself to the humble. See, the same is true with this thing about wisdom will come when you start acting on soul winning. The acting has to come first, and then the wisdom will begin to fill and flood your consciousness. Amen. We're going over there to Mark 16, 15, and 16, and I'll begin reading there. We, you hear me quote this like all the time, and, and it says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world, and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And you look at that, we have a great, we've been commissioned to do this. Now, what would, what would you do if you had some employees and you told them, go down the street and tell the people in, in our, in our you know, office down the street that they need to leave the office and get down here because uh, that place, there's a bomb, I just got news, and that bomb is going to go off. And, and you, you told some of your employees, go down there quick, call, or call them, or, or go tell them quick that the, there's a terrorist in there, there's a bomb that's going to go off, go tell them to get out of there and get them saved. And, and they just said, you know, I, I, like it was an option. You know, I don't think we will. I just don't think we'll do that. What would you think of somebody? And you're their boss, you're their master, you, you were over them, and you told them to do that. And they just, you know, I just, I just don't think I will. It's like, I don't think I'll go to church. I don't think I'll pay attention. I, I don't think I'll obey you. You know, he's commanded all men everywhere to repent. You know, God gives us commands. We've, been, we've got a command to be soul winners. We've got a command to go out and win the lost. Amen? Amen? And we've been commissioned to go win souls. And if he commissioned us, he's equipped us to. And he's equipped us with faith. And the minute we start stepping out of faith and doing it, then the stuff that we need will show up. And these signs shall follow them. Oh, I, I got to see the signs, and I'll follow the signs. Oh, they, there's a pillar of fire over this person, and, 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 and I see that they're going to get healed, and I see some supernatural things happen. I'll go now, Lord. No, you go. You don't follow the signs. The signs will follow you. In other words, you've got to act first, and then the signs will come. The wisdom, the equipping, the Holy Spirit, the anointing, the power, the signs and the wonders, the healings, the deliverances, they will never show up. Until you go first because they follow you. Somebody say, they follow me. They don't precede me. They follow me. And these signs shall follow them that believe. And how do we know a believer? The devils believe, but they don't act. James tells us very clearly, faith without corresponding action is dead. Very clearly, you know, the Missouri joke... God is a show me God. And he says, I'll show you my faith by my actions. That's the way it is with soul winning. You show God your faith, he'll show you his power. You show him your obedience to win souls, he'll show you his power to get him delivered and, and heal him and, and bring supernatural signs and wonders. You see, 2 Peter 3, 9 it says that he wishes his will is not that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Everybody say all. Every single one. That's his highest will. 
You know, we, we get down in this dumbed-down, fallen will way of thinking. You know, it's like I said, it's not God's will for you to have to spank you. It was never God's will for you to have to spank your kids. It was, it was God's will that they never were, were sinful and disobedient in the first place. Can I get an amen? amen. It, it is, it, you know, it, it's not God's highest will that we have to get healed. His highest will is that we never would have fallen and never gotten sick in the first place. And a lot of people, you know, it's, it's always God's will to heal us in, in this fallen state. Well, it, it's not because God's trying to teach us something. Only if you're disobedient. Only if you, you don't believe, you know, and, and, and so many things. We've got to understand, only if we're not in this fallen world, only if we're not in the secondary will of God. See, there's the highest will of God, and then there's the will of God in the midst of disobedience, in the midst of a fallen world, and, and, and this kind of forfeit, forfeited posture that we're in, and, and, and this... I keep wanting to say, there's a word, I can't think of what it is, but, but in this secondary will type of thing. But God wants us to have his best. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. They shall cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if, any, and if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover so then, after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat the right hand of God, and they went forth, preaching everywhere, the Lord working with them. See, signs follow you, you don't follow signs. And the Lord works with you, not just you working with the Lord. Because the Lord can only work with what you'll do. He can't work with what you refuse to do. Can I get an amen? He can only work with what you do. He can only work with your obedience. He can't work with your disobedience. He's not going to come down here and get people saved apart from us. He told us to do that. Can I get an amen? amen? He told us to do that. And he'll work with us when we do that. So that means we've got to step out and start doing And they went forth everywhere and preached everywhere. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs and wonders following. See, we don't confirm his miracles with the word. He confirms the word with his miracles. Now, we're trying to confirm the miracles and explain them. And, oh, you know, this is God. And, and, and we try to confirm when we hear about a miracle or something like that. That somebody else obviously was obeying God and it was a miracle following somebody else's preaching of the word. But let me tell you something. Those signs and wonders are supposed to be confirmations of the word. He's just not going to show up with signs and wonders. Then nobody's going to know why they might start following the devil because of it. You know, I, I know that I come from a Catholic tradition and, and Mother Mary of Lourdes or something like that, they had all these miracles over there in, in, in Rome. or I don't know where it was. I don't think it was Rome. In France. And, and let me tell you something. How many of you know the devil can show up looking just like Mary? Whatever Mary looked like, I mean, who would know? How many of you know the devil comes as an angel of light to deceive people? Yep. How many of you know there are miracles going on out there? Yes. And, 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 and if we follow those miracles that aren't of God, and then the demons start talking to us, we start opening up ourselves to that, then we'll end up with seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. But if we preach the word, then God comes with his miracles. Because how many of you know God has miracles and the devil has cheap imitations? I mean, they're out there. 
when we'll preach the word, then, then we can get people to follow what we've just preached, which is hopefully correct if we're using our Bible and we're preaching the gospel. So it's important that we do that. The Lord working with them. I think that's really very powerful. You know, I like the scripture in Proverbs, commit a thing to the Lord and he shall bring it to pass. A man uh, devises his way, but the Lord directs his step. In both of those cases, that's, that's Proverbs 16.1, that's Proverbs 16.9. Commit a thing to the Lord and he'll establish your thoughts. A man will devise his way, but the Lord will direct his steps. Who takes the first initiative in both of those verses? God or, or us? Who, who, can, who can say? Anybody know? what? The, if, we com, if we commit our plans to the Lord, he will bring them to pass. If we devise our way, the Lord will direct our steps. Who, who is initiating that, God or us? Everybody should be saying us in the room. That is so clear to me. It's so clear that this, this whole thing proves just exactly what it says in Corinthians, that we are co-laborers. 2 Corinthians 6. One, we are, everybody say it with me. We are co-laborers with him. Amen. Soul winning, number one, you've got to take the responsibility. These are the fundamentals. Tonight are the fundamentals of soul winning that you have to take the responsibility of the initiative. You know, when I first found out that people were going to go to hell if I didn't preach the gospel to them, that could happen. I'm not saying it will every time because I think God does recalculate and he sends somebody else. And, you know, we can talk about the sovereignty of God and God has sovereignly put it into our hands. He sovereignly made us sovereign creatures because we're made in his, in his image and he has free will and he made us in his image so we have free will. And we're in charge of everything that he's put into our hands to be in charge of. We're not in charge of eschatology. We're not in charge of the eternal state. We're not in charge of when that happens. We're not in charge of when the rapture happens. We're not in charge of when the millennial reign starts. We're not in charge of when the tribulation starts. We're not in charge of judging people and sending them to heaven or hell. Everything that God's in charge of, he is sovereign over. He will do it. We have no say in it. It's nothing to do with us, but everything he told us to do, and he puts in our hands and says it's our responsibility. We are sovereign, and we are in charge of it. Can I get an amen? amen. He isn't joking when he says, I've put this in your hands and your responsibility. That's not like some joke when he's really in charge, and, and he's really a dictator behind the scenes, and he's really going to control it all. No, it doesn't work that way. He really puts things into our hands and holds us accountable. Somebody say amen. A lot of people say, well, you know, God has everything under control. You know, that, that is really, that is re- he has everything under control that he's going to do, like when the rapture and, and when the millennial reign and, and the judgment seat of Christ. And he has everything under control that he's put into our hands and says, take control. He was in control when he said, I give you control over these things. You know, when I ask my kids to go mow the yard or go clean their room, I'm in control. But I gave them, I delegated them some control to go do something I told them to do. Can I get an amen? See, if we don't understand these things, we have massive irresponsibility reigning in the body of Christ and nobody being a soul winner. And it's bad fruit to no fruit is the final results. Three characteristics of a true soul winner. Number one, you must display... A witness of excellence. 
in all that you do, all that you have, and all that you are. People are not drawn to things that are mediocre or not excellent. Jesus has done all things excellently, it says in Mark 7, 37. That's the Amplified Version. It's not your King James. But in Mark 7, 37, Amplified, Jesus has done all things. Everybody say, all things excellently. You know, a lot of people think, well, oh, he's got an excellent car. He's got an excellent... How about, if you have, how about if you have an excellent character? What if you have excellent integrity? What if you have excellent work ethic? What if you have excellent kindness? What if you have excellent diligence to serve other people and lay your life down for them? That's the greater excellence. Can I get an amen? Now, I, I think the others are byproducts. You know, I, I like excellent things. I like having, you know, a, a good car. You know, I, I don't have to have some, you know, ridiculous, you know, but I like having things that work. And, you know, my, my dad always used to buy uh, things, and, and he, he always was pinching pennies, and they always broke down. Drove me crazy. And I says, when I grow up someday... I'm going to buy the best I can afford so the stupid thing doesn't break down all the time. My dad was always pitching He was always trying to cut corners, always trying to get, you know, the used one or, or the less expensive one. And, and I don't know why he was like that. And he was a very smart guy and a very hard worker and, and really quite, you know, he was successful and everything. But man, did we have problems with our equipment and stuff. And I said, I'm never going to be like that. If I'm going to buy something, it's going to, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be one of those Asian vehicles where actually always runs, you know, or whatever. The trader, you don't know. But however you see all that, there's got to be a spirit of excellence. Colossians 1, 14, 15 says, Jesus is the image of God. He was the image of excellence. Can I get an amen? amen. They wanted his robe. They, you know, they gambled for his, his robe. He, he wore, you know... Uh, that robe, he rode a donkey. Donkeys were for kings. And he came into Jerusalem. And they were crying, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. He was an excellent person. It says no man has ever spoken like this. They said we've never seen. It says they were amazed at his authority and his power. And everything he did and everything about him was excellent. He was the image of God. If you're not excellent, whose image might you be portraying? See, the, how many of you know Lucifer is not excellent? First of all, he had no character. He rose up in heaven and tried to, tried, he was seditious, and he tried to undermine the authority of God, and he tried to have a mutiny against God in heaven. How many of you know that's not an excellent spirit? That's not excellent character. How many of you know today every lewd, dark, nasty, weird Disgusting thing comes from the devil. How many of you know the spirit of Satan is not excellence? It's the antithesis of excellence. And he started out the most beautiful, most powerful, highest, brilliant, wonderful angel. But when you get into sin, your excellence starts going away. And when you get into holiness, your excellence starts going through the roof. And we need to portray a holy, godly, witness at all times. Romans 8, 29. We are to conform to the image of God. Be not transformed. Be not fit, forced into the world's mold. One translation says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed into his image, is what it's saying. So we have to have a sense of 
excellence. Ambassadors, 2 Corinthians 5.20, it says we're ambassadors and we re- represent him. And, you know, we go in his stead and we, and we compel people in his stead. How many of you know if, as an ambassador? You know, I've met some ambassadors and I tell you what, they always dress nice. They always look nice. They act nice. They're very diplomatic. They're very professional. They're very, very excellent people. You know, our country does not send slouches to other parts of the world to represent us. God doesn't want to send a slouch to represent him. Brother Hagen always said, I never, ever, and of course this was in a different day, he said, I never, ever was seen without a suit and tie on in my community. Now, today, I think that would translate, we should never go out, but what we look nice, fashions change. How many of you know fashions change? The way people dress changes. But we, we shouldn't go out like we just got out of bed in our, in our you know, old, you know, how can I say, sweats, dirty T-shirt, hair all messy. How many of you know that's not a good witness? Amen. And we just need to be people of excellence. Solomon conformed to the image of excellence. Quickly turn, and we won't spend a lot of time on this one. Where'd all the time go? That's crazy. But Solomon was a person of great excellence. Second Chronicles 9. We'll just go quickly through this. When the Queen of Sheba heard the fame of Solomon, she came to prove Solomon with hard questions at Jerusalem, with a great, very great company of camels. He was excellent in his intelligence and his wisdom and his knowledge. And bare spices and gold in abundance and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. In other words, he answered all of her questions. And there was nothing hid from Solomon which he told her not. And when the queen of Sheba seen the wisdom of Solomon and the house that he had built and the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendants of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers, and their apparel and the ascent, in other words, the, the whole decorum and uh, protocol. But he went up into the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her, no more breath, one said. One translation says she was breathless. And she said to the king, it is true, the report which I heard in mine own land and of thine acts and of thy wisdom, howbeit I believe not their words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the one half of the greatness of the wisdom was not told me, for thou exceedest the fame that I heard. Happy are thy men, happy are thy servants. You know, if you're serving God, don't act like you're in pain doing it. And stand continually before thee and hear thy wisdom. And, you know, it wouldn't hurt to, to, to be excited about what God's word is saying. And she says, Blessed be the Lord thy God, which delighteth in thee to set thee on the throne to be king. For the Lord thy God, because thy God loved Israel to establish them forever. Therefore made he made thee king over them to do judgment. And she gave the king, and then he goes into this enormous amount of gifts. In other words, she immediately said, your God is blessed. Your God has blessed you. 
and I'm going to give to you because of what your God has done. In other words, he won her soul. Now, she didn't get born again. I'm not trying to tell you she got born again. I'm telling you, he won her affections in a sense, and hopefully not in the wrong way. He won her allegiance. Her impre- she was impressed. She saw, immediately she gave glory to God and said, you know, God has made you this way. You know, that's a starting place to be able to share the gospel with somebody. Can I get an amen? amen. And, and see, in the Old Testament, they won people's soul. They didn't get them born again until the New Testament. But you won your, their soul so they would come over to your side spiritually and theologically and biblically and in faith and, and, and begin to believe like you believe in your God, get them to believe in your God. And that's what was happening right there. And it's because there was like excellence everywhere she looked. Somebody say amen. Amen. I'll give you another example. And we're going to look at Daniel. Daniel was like that too. How many of you know Daniel, when he was a child, was ten times wiser? And he wouldn't partake of the king's bread. How many of you know he followed the word of God and wouldn't eat what they were trying to get him to eat? How many of you know Daniel consecrated himself? Anybody remember those scriptures? And because of it, God made him... How many would like to be ten times wiser? He that went his souls is wise. Daniel was wise. As a matter of fact, it says he was ten times wiser than anybody else that was in his realm. Daniel 1.20. I just want to point out some things. You know, he was taken in the dispersion and they took all the smartest, brightest, best-looking kids from, from the Jews and they wanted to make them their own you know, political class and indoctrinate them and turn them into Babylonians. And they, they, they kept them in a training for exactly the same number of months that you get a college education. What's four times nine? Anybody get at math real quick? It says that they were in for 36 months in training. You know, it takes about 36 months of college degree to turn a Christian into a little Babylonian on the college campuses today. I mean, Babylonians, are, it means heathen. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. That's Daniel 1.8. You know, one of the most powerful things about the spirit of excellence is you don't defile yourself. Don't defile yourself with what you're watching on te- television. Don't defile yourself with what you're listening to on the radio. Don't defile yourself with where you go in to, to a bar or, or, a, or a place of ill repute. Don't defile yourself with the type of people you're running with. Keep a spirit of excellence. Can I get an amen? Daniel would not defile himself. Daniel had an excellent spirit. And if you look over there in Daniel 6.3, now, now Daniel's grown up. Let's see if he kept that, that excellent spirit. And it says, and it pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 princes that he should be over the whole kingdom. And over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first. I just like that, that, that statement. How many of you like being first? Of whom Daniel was first. That the princes might give account unto them and the king should have no damage. And Daniel was preferred. Everybody say, Preferred. How many like to be preferred? I like being first. I like being preferred. And Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit. Everybody say an excellent spirit was in him. 
And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. In other words, I'm going to make you the top dog, dude. So uh, the adult Daniel rose to the top. He was ten times smarter than everybody else. He was set above and above and beyond and apart from everybody else. He was first. He was preferred. He was the king's favorite. He was put in charge. And everybody hated him because of it. Then the presidents and the princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. They could, not, they could find no occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. See, he was excellent and faithful. See, he's got an excellent spirit will make you faithful. Everybody say, an excellent spirit will make you faithful. When you show up once in a while, that's not excellence. That's derelict. It's second rate. It's mediocre. Excellence and faithfulness always go together. He was preferred because he had an excellent spirit. And all the others hated him. They could find none occasion or fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault in him. So he was faithful, and he didn't have any error. Error just means anything wrong with thinking, or fault, and that would be more of a moral thing. There was no fault in him. There was no you know, moral faults. There was no error in his thinking. He thought right. He was smart. He read his Bible, and he was faithful. He showed up all the time. How, how do you come against a guy like that? He's right all the time. He's there all the time, and he never does anything wrong all the time. If they don't like him, then said these men, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against concerning the law of his God. He follows that thing, and it's right, so we just got to somehow make out that it's bad, because he follows it to a T, never messes up. He says, okay, we know what we'll do. We'll, we'll make this rule that nobody can bow down to any other God except the king. Now, we know the king really likes him, so we've got to make this law in secret and then catch him doing it and then present it to the king. Then we have the king over barrel, and he has to throw Daniel to the lions then. So we'll make up this law in secret, and then Daniel will be known to go and give praise and prayer. And he did it even louder, and he did it three times a day, and he threw the windows open when he went, and home, went home and prayed. And pray. You know, religious liberty was at stake back then, just like it is today. Can I get an Amen. So he went home, and they made the law that, you know, you can't bow down and pray and worship any other god. You know, that's called emperor worship. That's been all throughout the history of mankind. They've always done that, the heathens. And whether they call it that or not, we've got a little bit of that in our country today, even though we just don't call it that. And so he goes home. Because he's so excellent, he doesn't care. He's going to let them all know that he's going to worship God. He doesn't care about any laws. And then the king is over barrel, and he has to throw them in. And you know what? The good news is... His excellence. They throw him, and because of his excellence, God shows up. He's a soul winner. And none of the lions will eat him. So he's down there, and he pulls him out. He says, you know what? I think, I think the guys that need to be thrown in the lion's den are all these legislators, all these guys that make these bad laws against God's people and religious liberty. I'm, I think that's going to, pretty soon that's going to start happening. Amen? Amen? See, these things are to give us hope, to show us types and trends and how God works in the big picture over the long haul and to know that if we got a bunch of bad legislators and they're trying to get us thrown in the lion's den and they're making a bunch of rotten laws and, and they're, they're because they don't like us because of our God and our law and, and they want to do this to us, then we just need to stay excellent. We need to keep on serving God and then we need to let God deal with those guys. Can I get an amen? 
I'm thinking that might just happen pretty soon here. And then it had such an impression because of his excellence, because of his, he was more intelligent, he was more faithful, he didn't have any error, he didn't have any fault, he wasn't intimidated, he wasn't going to let anybody keep him from worshiping. And I mean, you, you couldn't find anything wrong with this guy. And you couldn't even kill him. You couldn't even have the lions kill him. And the king says, boy, you know, if God be for you, who can be against you? He says, I think I'm on the wrong side of God by being on the side of these legislators. I think I need to get on the side of Daniel. So he pulls him up out of there. He throws all the legislators down in there. He has them killed by the lions. And then in verse 25, it says, Then King Darius wrote unto all the people, nations, and the languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom... Men tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. Did he get born again? No, he won his soul over with his excellence. Because you don't get people born again in the Old Testament. You win their soul over to your God. And he says, for he is the living God and steadfast forever in his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and he rescueth and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven. See, Augustine said, I preach the gospel every day and sometimes I even use words. Daniel preached the gospel every day and they sometimes even used words. He delivereth, he rescueth, he worketh with signs and wonders in heaven and in earth who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus. Amen. We're going to pick up the next two next week. Let me give you one more. And this one won't take very long. But excellence is a funny thing. Uh... Because Daniel walked in excellent, the plot failed, and, and God, he was exonerated. King Darius uh, made this proclamation and said, that this is the God we're going to serve. And, you know, excellence, even, you know, there, there's something about it. And this isn't right, and it isn't fair, but turn with me, everybody, to Ecclesiastes 9, 14 through 16. Excellence, even, even if you're a good person, and even if you're preaching the truth of the gospel... Many times, if you're not walking in excellence, you'll be marginalized, you'll not be taken serious, and many times you'll have very little influence because of this principle. Now, this is a principle. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I'm going to tell you right now, this is how the world is. They could care less. If they're driving a Mercedes and you're driving a Ford, they're not, you know, they're not interested in, in how you got your Ford they're interested in how to get a better Mercedes. Now, I just use that for cars. Now, now let's talk about life, not talking about somebody's cars. They're doing better than you. They have more excellence than you. They even sometimes more integrity than you. They've gone further than you. They do better than you. They think they're smarter than you. Guess what? Your words are going to fall on deaf ears. I'm sorry. I don't like it either. Solomon said this in... Ecclesiastes 9, 13. This wisdom have I seen under the sun. And it seemed great unto me. And it says, and it's a big deal. I, I, it, we'd say it today, I've noticed this strange dynamic in the world, and it's a big deal. There was a little city and few men within it. And there came a great king against it and besieged it and built a great bulwark against it. Now there was found in it a poor 
wise man. And he, by his wisdom, delivered the city. Yet no man remembered that same poor man. Then said I, wisdom is better than strength. Nevertheless, the poor man's wisdom is despised. And his words are not heard. He's poor, so he wasn't esteemed as being excellent. So even though he was right and he saved the city, nobody remembered it and nobody cared. And it says, and his wisdom is despised and his words are not heard. You know, I've seen wonderful Christians that loved Jesus, that were great people, that knew the gospel and knew the answer and go to heathens, but because they kind of were backwards acting and looking and kind of, you know, didn't brush their teeth or something, I don't know, smelly breath, messy hair, dirty clothes, and they try to witness to people, and you know what? The person's saying, I don't care if you're right. I'm not going to take any, any wisdom from you, dude. How many of you know that's, that principle, even though I don't like it either, how many of that principle is still alive today? Yeah. Unfortunately, maybe, and maybe it's not unfortunate, we have to be excellent if we're going to get the world's attention. Yeah. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen. Well, we're going to close there tonight, but that's the first uh, fundamental of soul winning is that we need to have an excellent spirit. Let's stand up. We'll be dismissed.